Well, hello, my friends. Welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett coming to you today on the Monday broadcast. And so happy that you're joining me today. And, uh, you know, I'm so excited every time I hear from one of our listeners. And uh, you mean so much to me and you mean so much to this ministry. This is a ministry of Hickory Ridge Community Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. So happy that we have a wonderful congregation that loves the Word of God. And we believe in preaching and teaching the Word of God textually, verse by verse, expositionally. And so we've been going through the book of Romans. And so today... We want to look at Romans chapter 13, today and tomorrow, beginning at verse number 8. And today and tomorrow, I want to talk about the debt of love. Uh, Have you ever thought about the national debt? I'm sure that you have. Uh, It seems like it's going up faster and faster every moment of the day. As a matter of fact, there is a national debt counter that keeps track of our national debt. And as of the recording of this broadcast in July of 2023... The national debt is over $32 trillion. Now, I can't even get my head around that number, but that is a 32 with, let's see, 3, 6, 9, 12 numbers behind it. That is just unbelievable. 32 followed by 12 numbers. Now, if we were to try to pay off this debt, by the way, we're not even paying the interest on this debt. And every day, the interest every day on this debt is $1.8 billion, okay? And so if we wanted to pay this debt off right now in full, what would it take? It would take every single person in America, from the one that is a baby to the one that is 100 years old, every single person in America would have to pay almost $100,000. $97,358 is what each American would have to pay to retire this debt. Well, I don't think we're going to be paying off this debt anytime soon. As a matter of fact, it has been over 20 years since we as a nation have had a year in which more income came in than went out for our debt. So we're getting further and further and further into debt. Well, somebody says, well, as goes the nation, goes its citizens. And so when we think about the debt that we have as a nation, as Americans, we carry a lot of personal debt. But, you know, debt is not necessarily a bad thing. It is the inability to manage your debt that the Bible condemns. As I was studying for this message, I came across an old letter that Abraham Lincoln had sent to his brother. Now, apparently he had a brother that was constantly asking for money. And so he he felt like he always had to bail the guy out And so he got a request and finally got tired of hearing from his brother. So he wrote back to his brother and said this, Your request for $80, I do not think it best to comply now. At the various times when I have helped you a little, you have said to me, Now we can get along very well. But in a very short time, I find you in the same difficulty again. Now, this can only happen by some defect in your conduct. What that defect is, I think I know. It's not that you're lazy. It's that you are an idler. I doubt whether since I saw you, you have done a good whole day's work in any one day. This habit of uselessly wasting time is the whole difficulty. It is vastly important to you, and still more so to your children. 
that you should break the habit. You are now in need of some money. And so what I propose is that you shall go to work. Tooth and nail. Go to work for somebody who will give you money for it and to secure you a fair reward for your labor. I now promise that for every dollar you will earn between this, the first of May, until the end of May, every dollar that you earn, I will give you another dollar. Now, if you will do this, you will very soon be out of debt. And what is better? You will have a habit that will keep you from getting into debt again. But if I should now clear you out of this debt, next year you will be just as deep in as ever. Affectionately, your brother, Abe Lincoln. Don't you love that letter? Helping a brother without uh, just giving him a handout, but trying to give him a hand up. And so when we look at the Bible and we look at this matter of debt, we're going to be looking at the debt of love. Let's read the text from Romans chapter 13. We'll go down from verse 8 through 14. Paul says, Let no debt remain outstanding, except the continuing debt to love one another. Whoever loves others has fulfilled the law, the commandments. You shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And whatever the commandment there may be are summed up in this one commandment, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. So just those couple verses that we've read so far, we're learning a couple things. We're learning that we should pay our debts, let no debt remain outstanding. But there's one debt that we will never be able to pay. It is a debt of love to one another. Now, Paul is writing to believers, and he's saying that this debt to one another is a debt that we should continue to pay, but we will constantly be in debt to others, other brothers in Christ, other sisters in Christ. And then he talks about by continuing to pay this debt, we're actually fulfilling the law. And then as we look at verse number 11, it's almost like there's a pause between verse 10 and 11. And verse number 11 says this, and do this, understanding the present time. So don't be complacent is what he's trying to drive home. Even though you can be tired of constantly paying back this debt of love, don't be complacent. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. So he's making it a case that the reason that we're indebted in love is because of the love that Christ has shown and given to us. He says the night, verse number 12, is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside those deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not carousing, not drunkenness, not in sexual immorality or debauchery, which is dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. So a lot of good information is given here. So today and tomorrow, I want to talk about what is the debt of love? Why do I have a debt of love? And how do I go about paying back this debt of love? Well, let's look at that word debt, first of all. And as we look at this passage of Scripture, Paul is not prohibiting borrowing money. What he is prohibiting is the borrowing of money without the intention of repaying. As a matter of fact, Jesus himself even weighed into this matter in Matthew 5.42. 
He says, give to those who ask and don't turn away from you the one who wants to borrow from you. So as somebody comes to me and wants to borrow, if I feel like they are a good credit risk and I have the means in which I can lend them some money, uh, then I go ahead and lend them money or I lend them what they need, especially talking about brothers and sisters in Christ. So it's not prohibiting debt, but it is prohibiting the refusal to pay it back. You know, when I think about the debt that we have as a nation, but apparently we also have a debt as citizens of America. And there's a stigma that is attached to carrying a lot of debt, especially credit card debt. Did you know that more than one-third of Americans say that they would be embarrassed to let others know that they are not paying off their credit card debt in full every month? As a matter of fact, more than 40% say that they believe they will be judged by family, by friends, because of the high level of credit card debt that they have. Another surprising thing is that Americans have an average credit card debt of $15,355. Now, you talk about an elephant in the room. There was an executive for the firm that completed a survey and says, it's no surprise that shame about debt isn't necessarily productive in preventing or eradicating it. You see, shame doesn't guarantee success. The only way to pay off debt is to face it, to face it head on and make a plan to get rid of it. Shame about debt, shame about addiction, shame about our shortcomings never makes them any better. As a matter of fact, it just leaps on that, that whole guilt. And so shame doesn't work, right? We got to identify the pain. Why is it that we are overextending ourselves financially? Why is it that when we find ourselves in a painful situation, we slap down a credit card and put it on our cards? And we know we can't afford it, but we do it. Uh, We become addicted to spending. So the Bible doesn't prohibit borrowing. The Bible prohibits not paying back the debts that you owe. You know, money is one of our hardest conversational topics that everyone knows there's a few hot button topics out there. But conversations about money, kind of like religion and health and politics uh, and death, these conversations can go nuclear real fast. But when it comes to the most difficult conversation you can possibly have, uh, Wells Fargo found there's a real clear winner, and that is money. Money landed right at the top of their survey. As you look at money, one observer said this, I don't know that we expected that to see that at the top of the list as to the number one topic that people are embarrassed or causes friction as they talk about it. In fact, 44% of Americans point to personal finance as the most challenging chat that anyone can possibly have. It's even above the topic of death, uh, which you might expect to be at the top of the survey. That actually came in second. So as we look at this money subject that Paul talks about, he says that Debt is not the problem, but we should not have an outstanding debt. We should have a plan to pay that debt off. Debt should be paid or debt should be managed. We should have a plan to eventually pay off our debt. So don't take on debt that you know you can't afford. Now, the psalmist said this, the wicked borrow and they do not repay, but the righteous, they give Generously. So, as we look at debt, what is 
debt. We said it's a hot topic, a hot button topic today. The Urban Dictionary, which I'm, I'm not sure that I'd recommend this dictionary for finding answers to a lot of what words mean, but think of what they called and described debt this way. The Urban Dictionary says, debt is what America is in a lot of, right? <laughs> the Urban Dictionary also has some other terms talking about debt as the modern-day slavery. And there's actually some new words that have come along because we are so indebted financially. So they would say that somebody who is indebted financially is a debtaholic. That's the person who exhibits this unhealthy habit of accumulating bad debt. They have debt that they can't afford to repay, and they have debt that is bad debt. And so I've made it a practice personally, and I make this a practice for our church, that we do not go into financial debt for items that depreciate in value or items that do not hold their value. For example, if you are buying your food on a credit card, you are in a world of trouble financially because you're not able to, especially if you're not able to pay that card off, uh, you're in a world of trouble financially. If you are having bad debt for items that you're purchasing that don't appreciate in value, they depreciate in value, you could find yourself paying for what I would call a dead horse. I remember many years ago, uh, I was in a, a serious car accident. I totaled my car. And so I went to the insurance company and, and they were going to give me the settlement. But the problem was, is that the settlement amount of money that they wanted to give me, I owed more for my car than the money they were willing to give me. I had a higher loan on the car than they thought the car was worth. And I had to fight them to get a little more money out of them so I could pay off my car loan. So many of us find ourselves in bad situations with debt. And so those who have experienced the effects, uh, for example, of the collapsing real estate market uh, that happened about 15 years ago, uh, if you remember that time, uh, many people had what they called, they had debt quiddity. Debt quiddity is the opposite of debt equity. It means that you're upside down in your house and you owe more on your house than its current market value. And so debt should be paid. So before you take a loan, you better make sure that you're able to repay that loan and be wise about what you're going to go in debt over. And so I recommend to you Dave Ramsey's uh, program called Financial Peace University. And uh, my wife and I have gone through that. And I tell you what, it helped us tremendously. And we are in debt in very few areas. The only thing we owe a little money on is a home that we are residing in. And, uh, and thankfully, my home is worth a whole lot more than what I owe on it. And so uh, be wise with the management of your money. We also look at this passage, and we see that what Paul is doing, he's not saying don't have debt. He's basically using the comparative word not. Maybe a better way to explain it is by looking at a different passage where Jesus speaks this way in John chapter 6, beginning at verse 27. He says, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life. Now, Jesus in this passage is not saying do not work. He's not implying that you shouldn't even work for food. He's saying in comparison, the effort of our lives should be primarily on food that endures to spiritual or eternal life. Oh yeah, you've got to work for food. You've got to work for food that's going to spoil 
If a man doesn't work and provide for his own household, he's worse than an infidel. Jesus is not prohibiting work, but what he's saying is don't let that work for food consume you. Don't let that be the primary purpose of your life, the primary drive of your life. Rather, work for food that endures to eternal life. Invest in eternal things. Invest in relationships. You know, I have two major loves in my life. I have my family and I have the local church. Those are the two major loves in my life. Why those two things? Because both my family and my church will outlive me. You know, one day I'm going to be buried. Uh, They're going to put me six foot under. They're going to say a few words about me, hopefully a few nice words about me. And my journey on this earth is going to be done. But the work on this earth that I have worked toward for eternal life will endure. My children, my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren, they will continue on in my legacy, hopefully. And my church will continue on beyond me. So these two institutions, the family and the church, are worth a heavy investment. Uh, So when we're thinking about doing our giving, one pastor said this, do your giving while you're living so you're knowing where it's going, right? Invest in your family. Invest in your local church. Be prepared to help them in the future. So when Paul is saying, let no debt remain outstanding, he's not prohibiting debt. He's saying, pay off that debt. And then he talks about a debt that we will owe always. And what is that? That debt to always love one another. The Weymouth translation of that verse says, leave no debt unpaid except the standing debt of mutual love. Written to believers, right? This is the letter to the Roman believers. Paul is saying there ought to be mutual love, brother and sister in Christ, mutual love for each other. I'm indebted in love to my brothers and sisters in Christ. They're indebted in love to me. William Barclay says this verse means there is a debt that a person must pay every day, and yet at the same time, must go on owing every single day. So we have talked about this debt of love. Why do we owe this great debt of love? Well, let's look into that subject. I think there's two reasons why we owe this debt of love. Reason number one is that it fulfills the law of Moses. Reason number two is that it fulfills the law of Christ. Now, because I am just about out of time today for the broadcast, I want to invite you to join me tomorrow as we look deeper into this subject. But as we have just a few minutes left today in the broadcast, I want to talk to you about an opportunity that may be a blessing to you. We are looking forward to having a men's conference, and a discipleship conference coming up at our church in September and in August. So if you are interested in a disciple, family discipleship opportunity, that's going to be coming up in August. And so if you go onto our church website, www.hrcc7.org, you can find information about our discipleship conference. And then if you go on the website, you can also find out about our men's conference that we are having. Looking forward to a great opportunity. You can always call me or call the church, and I'll be happy to give you information about these two conferences. My cell phone number, if you have a prayer request, if you have another concern that you'd like to share with me, 252-267-2365. It's a wonderful opportunity for you to grow in your faith, 
to be stronger in your faith. And so please take advantage of these two. And then we are always looking for good employees. If you love children, we're getting ready to open uh, about an 8,500-square-foot educational building that is going to be exclusively used for the Hickory Ridge Academy. And this building has got eight large classrooms. Every classroom has its own bathroom, and and, uh, every classroom will accommodate about 20 or so students. And uh, we are looking to hire people that would work with this age group. Uh, And so that building is going to house on Monday through Friday— children as young as six weeks old, all the way up to our K-5 classroom. And so please consider if you need uh, a good job, a good working environment, instilling Christian beliefs on the next generation, I want you to consider coming to work with us, and we would love to tell you about this position. So give me a call or give the church office a call, 757-421-7500. And I I think that'll be a blessing to you and will be a blessing to you as well. So thank you for considering that. Now, as we wrap up today and we look at why do we owe the debt of love? It fulfills the law of Moses. And I'm going to read you a passage of scripture, and then I'm going to make a few comments, and then we'll pick it up tomorrow where we left off right here. But in Acts chapter 21, verse number 20, there's a conflict that is found in the early church. Now, Christianity was founded primarily with Jewish converts. So we could say that the early church was very Jewish, but they find themselves in a conflict. And the conflict is that the gospel was given first to the Jews, then to the Gentiles. By the time we get through the book of Acts, we discover a large number of Gentiles coming to a saving faith of Christ. And so when we get in Acts chapter 21, uh, we discover there's a conflict. And so they bring this conflict to Paul. And uh, then they said to Paul, you see, brothers, how many thousands of Jews have believed, and all of them are zealous for the law. That's Acts 21, 20. They have been informed that you teach all the Jews who live among the Gentiles to turn away from Moses, telling them not to circumcise their children or live according to our customs. What shall we do? They will certainly hear that you have come. So do what we tell you. There are four men with us who have made a vow. Take these men, join in their purification rites, and pay their expenses so that they can have their heads shaved. Then everyone will know there is no truth in these reports about you, but that you yourself are living in obedience to the law. As for the Gentile believers, we have written to them our decision that they should abstain from food sacrificed to idols, from blood, from the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. So this is what we discover is happening. Paul is being accused of eradicating the law of Moses and telling the Gentiles that they don't have to worry about the law of Moses. Now, he really wasn't doing that. He was telling them as Gentile believers they don't have to be circumcised. And the reason they don't have to be circumcised is because Christ has fulfilled the Mosaic law. And by being fulfilled that Mosaic law, they don't come to Christ being circumcised. They come to Christ by faith. You know, true circumcision is a circumcision of the heart. It's a spiritual circumcision, not just a physical circumcision. 
I guess we can find the same debate today in some churches in America where they believe that you must be baptized in order to be saved. Now, baptism, water baptism, always follows spiritual baptism. When a person is born again, the very first step of obedience is to be baptized. And we know that baptism is not necessary to get you into heaven. I'm talking about water baptism, but it's the first step of obedience. We have the thief on the cross, for example, whom Jesus said that today you'll be with me in paradise. He never had the opportunity to be baptized, but he's in heaven today. So I'm not against baptism. It's the first step of obedience. It's a symbol of our faith. And so Moses, the law of Moses is fulfilled in Christ. And Paul is driving home the point that we're saved by faith. It's not a physical circumcision that brings about our salvation. It is faith in Christ alone. Well, join me tomorrow as we continue on with this subject. We're going to dive a little bit deeper into the subject as you join me tomorrow. I so appreciate you listening today. And if I can help you with anything, please feel free to shoot me a text, 252-267-2365. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm praying for you today. So excited that you're able to be part of our broadcast. I look really forward to talking to you tomorrow. God bless you. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 1030 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.